one of my uh, analogies is that every day is a school day. Welcome criticism to help your own learning. Be open to every opportunity when working to deliver a piece of business. Lots of people don't take constructive criticism well, but the way you're going to grow and learn is about looking for that and actively pursuing feedback. Even at you know, a meeting that you've delivered, a project that, that's been completed, seek that feedback genuinely and people will, will appraise. I would absolutely push to say, put yourself forward. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. Hello and welcome to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day and I'm Managing Director of JGA Recruitment Specialist Payroll Recruiters. And I'm really excited because today I'm joined by someone I've known for a number of years. He is Jason Davenport. He has quite the track record when it comes to holding senior positions within some of the payroll industry's leading service companies. And he is currently Chairman of the Board for the Charles Institute of Payroll Professionals, also very familiarly known as the CIPP. He also runs his own payroll consultancy called Calendar Consulting, where he specializes in supporting clients in both public and private sectors, where he reviews payroll performance, looks at strategy and choices, and considers and helps with evaluations in relation to in-source and outsource services. Prior to that, Jason has held prestigious senior roles such as Chief Operating Officer for the HRS Division at Capita, Global Payroll Product Manager at NGAHR, and Services Director at Logica CMG, for those that remember that business, which has changed a few times since then. For me, I'm really excited. For me, we've got someone right now who's at the pinnacle of the profession. I know that many of you listening will want to know how he got there and what you can do to follow a similar path. So we're going to cover all of that in today's podcast and a lot more. Five quick questions. So without further ado, I think it probably makes sense that I welcome Jason to uh, the Payroll Podcast Hot Seat. How are you feeling, Jason? <laughs> Hi Nick, thanks very much for the uh, for the welcome and uh, and such a great introduction. Thank you. Now you're welcome. I understand this is your first podcast. I feel very privileged. I think it might be the first of many after they hear that some of the content we're going to get through. So I'm excited to to, to bring it all to life. Uh, we had a really good chat at the recent reward strategy uh, conference where you started telling me about your journey into uh, sort of managerial roles within payroll, and that's something that I'm really keen to. Uh, for you to share with the listeners a little bit later on as well, because it's a really exciting story. So definitely stay tuned for that. Before we get there, I'm sure many of our listeners will already know that um, you know who you are, your reputation pretty much precedes you. But I wondered if you would, if you could just give us a little bit of an insight into first how you got into payroll um, and of course your career, tra- career trajectory, shall I say, or journey to date. Let us uh, just give us a bit of an insight into uh, to, to your payroll journey so far, Jason. No, certainly, Nick, and uh, and a great place to start. Thank you. Yeah, I actually started uh, my career uh, out in industry as an office junior in the construction industry, and it was uh, it was during that time of learning basic office administration when my financial controller said to me, "How would you like to consider payroll?" Um, and for us, then that meant learning about the working rule agreements, the um, within the construction workforce how civil engineering worked and what the different rules and regulations were that, that backed those. And also considering national joint council agreements for the likes of the plumbers that worked as part of the teams as well. Um, so that was a, it was a great opportunity to learn payroll and actually at a grassroots level before computing was around. So I was building up 
calculations from gross to net with the uh, with the pay calculation tables. Um, and even our, our financial control at the time wouldn't let us have calculators in the, until we proved our numeracy. So that was really interesting for me. And I found that I had, I had an aptitude towards both understanding the rules and the regulations, enjoying the numeracy of the of the work. And because the, of a of a large construction workforce that was paid weekly, we actually had the job satisfaction of delivering you know net results to the employee base week in week out and really felt a great sense of satisfaction at seeing that 100% accuracy delivered week in week out i guess to build on your question then about how did uh, my career can kind of move from there i've always um built out with a five year plan i've always considered that important um for anyone you know with a career and how to manage that and looking around me i realized that those that got to the top within the construction industry were typically the engineers or the surveyors, the guys that had come up with that construction background. Um, so I, well, I really wanted to develop my, my payroll career um, and researched what was happening in the markets at, at the time. And, you know, some 20 years or, or more ago, the outsourcing um, remit was really coming, to, really coming into play. And so I looked at different outsourcers and who I might join. Um, and that was actually when I, uh, when I joined CMG. Um, having attended one of their sales pitches to see both what was their offering, but also to hear from some of the sales guys who didn't know why I was asking the question at the time, but to hear from them, you know, what was it like to work within this business? Um, and so I targeted CMG as my place to uh, to develop my career further. Now, some people may not be familiar with CMG because I know I've, you and I have been in this industry for a long time. We've seen the changes, the days of Rutherford Webb and Kalamazoo and so on. But for those perhaps a little bit newer to the industry, can you just tell us about a little bit about, you know, at that time, who CMG were? Because they were a big player. Indeed, absolutely. Yes. So Collins, Mills and Gorman were the original CMG that made Computer Management Group. And they were actually an Anglo-Dutch, actually an Anglo-Dutch corporation um, that dealt with lots of IT capability. Um, and at the same time, they were producing software for the payroll industry. Um, Payfact 2000 was a, a government public sector based, um, product that was, that was developed by CMG. The original, the founder members, Mills, he actually wrote a whole philosophy about how he wanted a business to be. And it was a uh, all built on meritocracy. So it was about what you put in was what you get out. And as hard as you wanted to work, there were no barriers to how far you could go within the business. Um, that set the scene for real open door, open field um, for everybody to work at. And so I found the uh, working for CMG a real um, refreshing uh, approach to life and to development as, a, as an individual. I'm going to jump in slightly because I, I don't want to give away this. I want to sort of prep the story that I think you're about to embark upon, which is a, a quite an exciting one. <laughs> so just just a, uh, again, give it a little bit of context. So I remember CMG and the PayFat 2000 system sort of many years ago when I'd have clients going, Nick, as you say, public sector clients say, Nick, I need a payroll manager. They must have PayFat 2000 system experience. And as you mentioned, you, you started in a manual environment and there weren't that many systems around at the time. So, so PayFat 2000 was one of the real key skills to have back in the day. And CMG was were one of the big, big payroll players in terms of outsourcing uh, providers. But when we met at the conference recently, you gave me a great story, which I think you were just about to discuss then, but to give us some context of how you went from you know just joining the business, obviously not being particularly senior at that time, into a, sort of a real fast track process into a managerial process that 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 you know ended up with you being a really senior player with uh, at CMG, and I think it's a without giving too much away, I think it's a, a business process that many other companies 
could really do well to adopt it. It was a, I really enjoyed the conversation. I'll let, I'll let you uh, deliver it in the way that you did last time because it's fantastic. So I wonder if you could just reshare that, that fast track process you experienced at CMG that really got you onto your senior payroll journey um, that, 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 you know, that brought you to where you are now. Yeah, indeed, Nick. No, it's um, as you as you mentioned earlier, it's a fantastic concept and actually something that businesses may want to think about today in the way that they deliver this. They had um, CMG had a management development program, and anybody identified um, to to become first level manager and and in CMG days, associate director was that first level of management. Um, if if you re- achieve that level, you had full P and L responsibility for a business, full responsibility for its clients, its team, its budgeting, um, and everything that, w- that went on around that. So, in order to get people to that level, um, they recognised that individuals had to have skills that were broader than what their day to day operational skills may involve. So, I had a a program that supported me in understanding project management, um, people management both in terms of performance and also poor performance, um, you know, promotion and recruitment, et cetera. Um, client engagement, a very key part of uh, the role of any director of being able to, to speak with the clients, understand their needs, build proposals around that. Bid negotiation and sales and commercial awareness were also very big, uh, very big parts of the, the skill set that they'd be looking to test. And so whilst on a, a period of time to fast track and build out those skills, the the pinnacle was a was a three day test that was held off site. Um, being an Anglo Dutch corporation, it was either held in London or in Amsterdam. My own was in in London. the um, The course was ran by managing directors of the business, and the way it was put together was you were essentially going to role play for the next three days. So there might be five or six people going through this at the same time. Your hotel suite would be your office. And the night before the uh, the course began or the test began, you were given a, a whole group of folders, which were all about this fictitious business that you were now owning. Uh, and in effect, the associate director that was responsible had left the business there and then. You were being parachuted in to a business that had both current contracts, current clients. Uh, it had opportunities for new clients, uh, new sales opportunities. It had It had some great staff. It had difficult staff. They had projects that needed reviewing because they were moving into difficulty. So the whole gambit of what you would expect a director to be dealing with on any day-to-day basis was then set out. And your and your diary was set out as well for the next three days with, with gaps for new things to be put in, but also appointments to be kept. Um, and obviously in, a, in that kind of environment, there was uh, – travel time etc was 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 factored in in the way that it may be to uh, to allow for time between meetings and what have you but the three the three days were then absolutely intense not only or not only it's like sas selection S- for payroll leaders absolutely. isn't it absolutely like- <laughs> yeah 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 that's a great analogy that's intense <laughs> as far as you're concerned this is absolutely like a real life scenario and that's the way you've got to try and approach it like this is this has actually happened you've been as you say parachuted in and the role play didn't stop at any point, did it? The managing directors, even at the bar, even after the so-called day had finished, they were constantly in character. So you had to keep this character up for for full seventy-two hours. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yes. Yeah, so the working day may finish, but then you go out to dinner, and you had to stay within that. You're talking about your business. You're talking about things that are going on, um, and indeed, the the adrenaline therefore was just kicking through your system all the way through that time. Um, in fact, you could tell when. 
clearly the managing directors didn't want to deliberately fail people, but they also, if people were cruising, they'd really turn the heat up. Um, and I was even getting calls in my hotel room at 11 o'clock at night saying, come down to the bar, Jason. And I know they were wanting to do that to try and, uh, make sure that I didn't have enough sleep for the, uh, for the following day. <laughs> but you could also tell that the heat was being turned up when they'd be put in, trying to put more and more appointments in your diary or more things. And, and there was, uh, an opportunity where I rang to speak to an MD that I was told was out the country. And then the next time I rang to speak to him, I was told he was, uh, oh, he was in another meeting at the moment. And, um, I actually turned around to the secretary and I said, well, two minutes ago, he was out the country and I could hear the MDs laughing down the corridor because they realized I'd tripped them up. <laughs> but the, I have to say the culmination of that, that those three days really testing all levels of, you know, project people, clients, sales management, um, then came to, came to fruition. At the end of the, the, the three days, we, we went home. The following Monday, my managing director, he flew up from London to, to, to Manchester Sulphur Keys, where I was running the team. And he said, he got everybody together and said, right, I'd like to introduce you to your new associate director. And we're giving this business to Jason. And that was such a, such a fantastic feeling. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, you, you know, you you did the whole Jerry Maguire thing. You didn't sleep, did you? You went full on. You want to make sure you were number one. <laughs> that competitive spirit came out. But you were saying, I remember you saying, you know, it tested everything from your your people management skills, your project management skills, client engagement skills, things like bid negotiation and sales and commercial skills. So you know, to have all that in a, in a, in a such a, a intense environment over three days, I mean, you must have actually not only did you secure the role, but you must have developed your own skill set very very quickly as well in the way that you approach things and manage, you know the A's with those with, with your MDs and, and, and you know, the way you had to, your thought process worked during that time. Indeed, indeed. No, absolutely. And and the, the incredible thing, the incredible experience coming out of that was then becoming an associate director and looking at the paths above me and the opportunities above me. You realize that everybody around you with that same title have been through the same experience. And so it was almost like joining a club, uh, like a capability club, you know, um, we've all it's like getting a green beret. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, so just 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 to put this into a little bit of context, what did that associate director level role mean? So I know you had you, had, you then had quite a big remit, didn't you? You went from kind of quite, the new remit that that three day process gave you. What what did that look like? So it, it was then um, having all of the teams that were in the business reporting through me. So uh, the managed payroll service teams, the marketing team. We had budgets for considering advertising and events we have budgets for training and development um far more client contact came into it and, and literally managing the whole p l um from a from a day-to-day month-to-month basis and making decisions that were going to affect that business you know for 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 better for worse um then suddenly sat on my shoulders um that wasn't to say i was the only person there you know i'm supported by managing directors but it was uh yeah suddenly it's a much a much bigger remit Ah, fantastic! Well, what a journey that is. Uh, that is some journey, as you say. You can't get anywhere without without support and peers and collaboration. But you know, to go through that process, I was slightly jealous when you told me it's the kind of thing that I think I would have absolutely loved to have been involved in. I'm not saying I've done as well as you did, but right up my street, the competitive aspect, the quick learning, the uh, the, the knowing there's an opportunity at the end of it as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a cracking story. So. Look, that got you to the, the associate director level at CMG, now had responsibilities, you say, for payroll managed service, big budgets, and so on. How did you then make the transition then from UK payroll delivery into international payroll management? And I, I guess you've got a lot of experience as well in onshore and offshore payroll operations. So how did you how did that transition come about? Yeah, that was um, a great question, Nick. The 
with CMG being an Anglo-Dutch corporation, um, it also was growing quite rapidly at the time. Lots of acquisitions um, in, in the marketplace, different mergers. We actually merged with a business called Logica, which so became Logica CMG for a time. Um, and at that point, the business had offices right across Europe. And Coca-Cola Enterprises came out to market looking for payroll services, not just in a single country, but looking at UK, Netherlands, France, and Belgium. And I had had the great opportunity to work on the bid. It started looking at it from a UK perspective, but actually then I took on the challenge of going out to our offices in the Netherlands and France and understanding how we delivered services. And actually, we didn't have service operation in Belgium. So I subcontracted with a very small Belgium operator called SD Works. Um, and it just shows, that's right, shows the size and scale of those today. At the time, SD Works were, were the number one operator in Belgium. Um, and without having operations there, we needed to subcontract. And so I got involved in that whole um, writing up of the subcontract relationship, making sure that we had back-to-back key performance indicators. Um, and in in winning the sales journey with with Coca-Cola Enterprises, um, which was working with Coca-Cola US, Coca-Cola Europe, uh, Deloitte, who were their advisors, uh, and our own teams, that really gave me an appetite for international work. Um, so once once the contract was fully established and running, um, I then looked at well, okay, I've I've done a lot of European work now. I really want to look at further afield and. Um, I looked at further opportunities for global work, and that was when I was delighted to meet Ken Puller for the first time and join his management team in Northgate Arinzo. So you're giving us a little uh, insight there, potentially to another trajectory that you're going through to become a chair of CIPP, because obviously Ken Puller is is obviously a key, <laughs> key player of CIPP as well. But this was obviously you first met him many, many years ago, which is, yeah, well, I guess we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later on. So what, what was your first experience then of the services you were delivering um, with you know the onshore, offshore delivery model? Because th- you mentioned there that you start, you, you introduced the management team at, uh, at Northgate Arinzo. Yeah, yeah. The, the the great thing about uh, Northgate Arinzo, so as I joined them, they'd um, they'd been bought out by um, KKR, a private equity house, uh, and they were being supported in their their whole drive to be truly global, which meant Northgate Arinzo at the time were a a UK European centric business, but they looked to purchase both tactically and strategically other businesses to give them a proper global footing. So they purchased Convergys out in the US and Proceeds out in Australia and a number of other smaller tactical businesses to give them a proper global footing. Then not only did they say, okay, we bought these businesses, they actually put the money where the mouth is and got everybody together. So as operations director in the UK, I was very lucky and fortunate to work with my counterparts across the globe. Um, so I've, I've been fortunate again in my, in, my, in my time to have worked across mostly European capital cities, out in Asia and across in the US. And we built up our understanding collectively of what are the services that we offer in country? How can we support those both locally, but also in developing a true offshore model? What, what, what work was best and most suited to go offshore and what should still remain onshore? Um, and that allowed us to develop the kind of follow the sun approach that was, uh, that, that came about some years ago where we could best utilize our offshore capability with uh, with the time differences so we'd send work you know we'd send work out east as our day was finishing and as we'd wake up that completed work would be back for ready for us to uh, to continue on or to do other other pieces with um it really was a very exciting time and and at that point I got to work out in 
well, a number of the Indian cities such as Mumbai, Hyderabad and Cape Kochi, um, as well as out in the Philippines in Manila. Um, and yeah, built, building up that whole capability really gave me a, a much broader insight into things that aren't just payroll related. It's all of those different associated areas and especially how different areas of the globe deal with those things, you know. Some beautiful countries as well. I mean, I've heard India's stunning. And also, I should, I should mention here, so I don't know if, if in case people didn't quite pick up, you've now transitioned. So you're now at NGAHR at this point. Um, I know obviously you, be, you ultimately became global payroll product manager at NGAHR, but if it can anyone miss that transition from CMG, you decided when you met with Ken Puller to join his management team. Um, but so how, how, how were some of these countries? Do you have a chance to, how long were you in India for, for example? Well, uh, over the uh, over the course of the years, I spent, I think I went out to, to India six times. Um, not only got time to spend with the teams uh, and the operational teams, but also to explore some of India as well. So in Mumbai, I managed to go to Gandhi's house during one of the visits there. Um, down in Kochi, um, got to go and see the elephants being bathed um, and, you know, got, got to visit tea plantations. So great to take opportunity to uh, not just to see the operations there, but to see something of the country and and India, for anybody who's a first-time visitor, is a real explosion of the senses and a, and a fantastic country to visit. Fantastic. So, you know, with all, all that ex- excuse me, explosion of the senses, all that experience you're gaining, you're now, you know, you're in a global role, you're managing and, and, and you say, following the sun, there's some new ideas where you've got everything working 24-7 around the clock. You're obviously delivering at a very high level. What was it that that brought you back to a UK-centric role? Because it sounds like you were really enjoying the international piece and you're, as you say, you know, enjoying the different countries, the different cultures, the languages, the learning. I'm surprised that then your next move was to come out of the global piece a little bit and back into, into a UK-centric uh, position. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so so interestingly, as I mentioned earlier, I've always taken a view of a five-year plan, um, both to see in terms of career but also with family. And I was sat on uh, I was sat on a beach during the, in the Caribbean with the children, um, and I and realised then that I'd missed I'd missed a birth. I'll come to that later. I'd missed a um, I'd missed a Holy Communion, which I joined by FaceTime. I'd uh, I'd missed a couple of birthdays when I've been working in Athens, and so it was it was a very conscious decision that said, okay, I'm going to move away from global work and take on a a new centric role in the UK. And I asked the children and, and obviously the wife, Louise, how she felt about that. And she was, they were all very supportive um, and happy for me to do so. And so I actually took a, a much reduced role when you think about stretch and, and breadth and bandwidth um, within Capita HR service division. But um, I think as they say, you can't keep a good man down. So I was very quickly promoted through through two levels to become chief operating officer. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. I have to say as well, if you if it takes if you want a beach in the Caribbean with your kids, and it's at that point you realise you want to come home, then you definitely need to come home. And it's usually it'll be the other way around, right? That's when I think I'm loving this. But actually, if you're sat there in the sun and you realise that's not where you want to be anymore, I mean, there can't be any any you know better sign to say it's probably ready to come back. But. Uh, uh, what a fantastic story! So that kind of leads you now into into the to the, the world of, of of Capita. As I said, you, you got right to the, to the to the top again as Chief Operating Officer of the HRS division. And I know the listeners are going to be keen to find out more about um, you know how you then 
developed your career further again to become chairman of the CIPP, which obviously is a role that you hold at the moment. And of course, your plans for the future, because I will add here that, you know, you do also now have your own business, your own consultancy. Um, and we've got loads to get through today. So, you know, if you stay tuned with us, you're going to find out a little bit more about Jason's journey into, you know, launching his own business and what that means and what he's offering. And also his role of the CIPP and what he hopes to achieve in the future. But before we do, we're going to just find out a little bit more about Jason. If you work in payroll and you haven't checked out our latest song called My Payroll Career, then it's just been released and it's available now on iTunes or Amazon. Here's a little snippet of it to get you started. Enjoy. You see, I love payroll and payroll loves me. I don't mind liaising with HMRC. I love manual payments and calculating SMB. Yeah, payroll is the career for me. That was My Payroll Career, available now in iTunes and Amazon Play. Right, back to the podcast. Time to find out more about you. Jason, how would your friends or your work colleagues describe you? Hey, great question, Nick, and thanks for that. I would I would hope and expect the friends would say I was funny, I was caring, and I am dependable. Um, and hopefully that same note would translate to colleagues as well who might add that I'm very transparent. I'm definitely an open book in the way that I deal with people. Um, I absolutely have integrity, uh, which is which I think is part of any key role when it comes to uh, being trusted. And hopefully they would say I'm fun to be around. Yeah, well, I can second that a little bit. We've certainly had a few beers over over, over the years, but also great qualities that make you know make for a great chair, right? Um, you can't you need all of those things to be a good chairman. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Tell me something about you then that perhaps other people won't know about you. Although you may have given us a little bit in your last answer as to why you uh, why you decided to come back to UK centric role, but uh, what else could you tell us that perhaps other people won't know? Well, let, let's give you a great headline. Okay, I was once bodyguard to Princess Diana. Wow! So there's the headline. Okay, that is a headline. Right? The, the detail is slightly less glamorous. So it was uh, a friend of mine's father was general manager for the women's hospital in Liverpool. And when a new ward was being opened by the princess, he needed to draft in, draft in some additional security to help on the day. So I was actually introduced to the, uh, to the hospital staff, um, especially the catering staff, as, uh, as special forces Brilliant. to the current security team. Um, which meant I got an extra large breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of theme here running through the SES selection and military operations. I think you might have missed your calling, Jason. What a fantastic, that's brilliant. That's definitely something I didn't know. We haven't had, we haven't had that story uh, over any of these conferences to date. So that's a great thing to bring to the table. Fantastic. So a little bit different. You're abducted by aliens and you want to learn more about our species. What item would you take with you? Well, having worked globally and been away from the family for periods of time, I'd take a device that enabled me to video conference with home. Great. Any particular device? Anything you're using at the moment? iPad, laptop? Uh, well, the iP- gadget. Of iPad choice. absolutely is uh, is the key for for video conference because then we've got a you know bigger screen to review on you. Yeah, no, we're not sponsored by iPad, but it seems to be a very common <laughs> response. I seem to be giving a lot of free branding. Uh, what game or instrument would you teach them? Well, do you know, recently I was in the um, Canadian Payroll Association conference, and at the end of the conference. Uh, I was lucky enough, Ken and I went and spent a bit of time with Patrick Culhane and his wife. Patrick's recently retired as president of the CPA, um, and they took took us out in Toronto. And, and one of the evenings we spent at home with them, they introduced me to a game called Rumicube, and it's a number strategy game. Um, and it's one that I've recently ordered to get 
a home for myself with the, with the wife and the children because it's a really good number strategy game. It really makes you think about how you're looking at it. So Roomy Cube is the shout out there for a game that I'd, uh, I'd take and teach them. Okay, I'll try and find a link. I've never heard of it. I'll try and find a link. And what I'll do, I'll put it in the episode notes. So if any of these, bear in mind, we've got a lot of payroll people listening here who have a passion for numbers, figures, and mental math and arithmetic. Uh, it might find we get a little bit of traction on that. So I'll put a, I'll put a link in the episode notes. If anyone else wants to challenge Jason in the future, they can uh, they can go and purchase that. I'm sure it's on Amazon <laughs> or somewhere similar. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. What would you tell them about humans? Hmm. Now, thinking about this one, I think I would tell them about our capacity to love and to learn. Um, I wonder, Nick, have you ever seen the movie Meet Joe Black? I have. Got a long time ago, yes. Right, right. So Anthony Hopkins, if you remember, he plays a billionaire coming to the end of his life, and Brad Pitt plays Death. So Death comes to Earth, and he takes on a human form to better understand what humans are like. And in the film... Anthony explains to Brad how love is about trust and responsibility and taking the weight of your choices and how the depths of his love for his children are multiplied by infinity and take him to the depths of forever. And I think that will give them a glimpse into how wonderful life is to be, uh, to be a human. Wow. Love that. That's deep. God, I'm loving that one. That's great. <laughs> Let's go watch the film again. Brilliant. Oh, well, that in mind, then, what, what truth or human trait would you hold back? Well, not not aware of their motive of why they'd taken me etc i would uh, i would not i would not tell them that humans are fearless and have an incredible capacity for change because we want would want to give away all of our secrets so i'd hold that back yeah so we're going back to your strategic uh, SAS thinking here, Jason. I like yes. it. We're always, we're always going back to that part. I'm going to ask one, one final question here then. So if you had any superpower, what would it be and why? A superpower? Wow, it'd have to be for healing, um, a capacity for healing. Yes, and I and I, I think that actually is what my name means in Greek. Um, Jason, I think means a healer in Greek. Yeah, fantastic. You know, what? I've just done a I recorded another podcast on on my other channel, the HRLND podcast, and it was the same answer, same superpower that, that uh, Joanna Vinicor, who I recorded with, would give as well. So, uh, you know, it's nice to see that the, the charitable side of uh, the HR and payroll professions coming through, which is good, which is good. Well, listen, we're going to jump to a quick advert break here. Then we're going to come back. We're going to find out a lot more about uh, Jason's role with the CIPP, the future of payroll as he sees it, and, of course, a little bit more about his own business and how he got started with that as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back in one moment. Einstein famously said that insanity was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We believe it's time to try a new approach to recruitment. JGA Recruitment specialise in recruiting the top 15% of payroll and HR talent using innovative 24-7 attraction strategies that are proven to improve quality of hire, candidate retention and return on investment. De-risk your recruitment process today and hire better talent faster with JGA Recruitment. Visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Five technical questions. So, Jason, you have been non-exec director with the CIPP for more than six years now. Uh, you became chair in December 2018. Tell us a little bit about what that role involves. Yeah, cheers, Nick. Being a, being a non-exec mean, meant having to sign up to public, li- public life or life in public office. So there are certain rules and regulations and ways in which you mean you, to uh, carry yourself and to carry your business practice, etc. And actually, being as a membership organisation and being elected to the board those years ago, that was a that was a great honour at the time. Also allowed me to bring 
all of the experiences that I've learned before around strategy, um, board direction, um, and supporting the membership needs and wants, um, being key to that, key to that role. So incredibly fulfilling for me to give something back to the industry as a non-exec, um, and to be able to support those, uh, support those meetings and, and directions and view, uh, with, with all of the experience that I previously held. Um, moving into chairmanship is, although I spent two years as vice chair, you never really feel the role until you walk in it yourself. And, um, and I'm really enjoying, um, the time that's being spent as chair, um, both in working with our partners, um, working with broader industry across the globe with the likes of the American and the Canadian payroll associations. Um, it's been, yeah, it's, it's just been fantastic. And I, and I take the role as, Although it's very much a, a figurehead, um, it's also my role as, uh, is, is to support and lead, um, the institute. And so work very, very closely with Ken as chief executive to make sure that the, the, the executive and the operational direction is where we'd want it to be. And you've got all of that, you know, big business payroll service provider experience behind you as well to see, you know, the, I say that because it's those businesses that are always trying to be two steps ahead for the future to know what's coming. And I think, you know, that, Something that's going to be, I'm sure, invaluable to the CIPP is having someone at the helm, yourself and Ken, of course, who have both come from similar environments that you know that, that are aware of how quickly technology is changing, but also you know how that specifically impacts payroll um, and you know, legislate not just technology but legislation as well, service delivery, and as you mentioned, you know, payroll is going more and more global all the time as as businesses go more global. And you know, you and I met in LA a few weeks ago. Uh, we've met at different conferences. I know you went out to Canada just after that. So you've got the travel piece back in your life again a little bit with the with this role. But uh, I think it's a it's a great thing for the for the institute. And um, you know, as as a specialist payroll recruiter, we try and align ourselves as close as we can with the with the CIPP because you know, it's um, we're both hopefully passionate about raising the profile for the industry. Um, I know that's something you've been really passionate about is, is not just raising the profile of the profession, but, you know, encouraging new entrants to the industry to consider a role in payroll, pensions and reward. And I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, well, a fantastic role. And I would, I would argue, and I'm sure many would as well, it's, 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 it's one of those pinnacle roles within the payroll professional that you've achieved, which is, uh, which is kudos to yourself, sir. Fantastic stuff. So, listen... What are the targets or objectives for you then as chair of the CIPP? Because I think you mentioned you get a, a, a term of two years. Um, obviously, you start in December 18. You've obviously, I would assume, would have achieved some of those objectives. I'd be interested to know what those objectives were that hopefully you've started to, to see come to fruition. But also going forward, what else do you think can be done to raise the profile of payroll, and not just in the UK, but, but globally? Yeah, I think, well, first and foremost, the UK... In the UK and the Institute itself, we're going to continue to walk the halls of Whitehall and press for positive change where needed in terms of legislation. So that, that continues on unabated with our, with our policy teams. Um, what I was very keen to do, uh, in coming in as chair was looking at the membership needs and the, the training and qualifications that are offered to make sure that they're relevant today. Um, one of the great things about having children in my life with the, uh, and, and looking at them and how they learn and develop is realizing that with, with new technology, with new learning styles, we need to continue to evolve, not, not to do away with the past, but to make sure that whatever learning is delivered is blended in a manner that, that meets the needs of the, uh, the workforce today. So we've, uh, we have a couple of task force that have been set up to review that. And we're, we're actually now starting to enable um, some of the objectives that were uh, and some of the 
recommendations that came out from those task forces, um, which which takes some time to deliver, but we're, but we're absolutely on the road to deliver those. And I'm, I'm looking forward to tutor training in July to speak to the CIPP tutors about what that means for them. Great. Fantastic. I was delighted to be uh, fortunate enough to be involved in one of those task forces as well. So, you know, I can firsthand say that, you know, you did the CIPP really did reach out to, you know, everyone in all in all walks of the industry, not just, you know, those processing and managing, but those that see it from a different eyes to, to try and, you know, get the opinions of everyone to try and make it more relevant. So, uh, you know, I've, I've firsthand see, seen your influence in some of those changes, which is, uh, which is great. What about on the, on the global side? Uh, you know, is that what's the CIPP doing to sort of raise the profile globally? Because we're seeing businesses now in, in, a, we're in an era of globalization, although you know, that's been said for years now, but you, know, you see it more and more now in particular, we're getting a huge rise in international peril, people being required and you know, companies taking on or merging or, or acquiring other companies in different countries. What are the CIPP doing to raise its profile, raise the profile of payroll globally? I think one of the key things that we reviewed quite recently in terms of strategy was wanting to make sure that we are focused and deliver well within our, our particular subject matter expertise. So within the UK, CIPP very focused on delivering to our UK uh, membership um, and for their needs. And that doesn't mean to say that we're, that we're not looking at other areas, but we wanted to be master of one rather than a jack of all trades, if you like. But in linking to global work, it's still incredibly important to us to work alongside our colleagues in other countries, and that's why we have such a such a great working relationship with the U.S. and Canada. Our working relationship continues to grow with Southern Ireland, with South Africa, with Australia, and we're very keen for other countries to join us as well in terms of how we signpost and work together. So there will be some areas that we would absolutely signpost towards a different country because that's the specifics of of what might be needed by the membership. But there are other areas where we can help and support when it's maybe a more general piece um, in terms of, you know, what, what does global work look like? What do, what do I need to consider as a global manager? And obviously, we work with some, with some great people and colleagues alongside that who bring their experience to bear for us as well. So I think in, 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 a, in a nutshell, uh, um, Nick, it's very much about signposting where appropriate, but taking account uh, where we need to. Um, and continue, continuing to listen to the membership and their needs. Fantastic. And I you know something that we've always advocated here, if you are a member of not just CRP, but any of the, you know, a membership of any kind of um, organization that is championing a profession, you know, do get involved, do, do, do try and, you know, give your opinions back because it's with the, it's, it's the membership views and opinions that really help shape the strategies for, for, you know, uh, institutes such as the CIPP. So I know a lot of people are always asking me, you know, how do I get involved in this or how can I, you know, raise my own profile? A lot of it starts with involvement, um, you know, with membership uh, institutions like the CIPP. So, um, and certainly in your, in your own example, um, Jason, I know you've always been very active in, in, um, you know, in, in all the in raising the profile across the board, and I think that you know, if you're listening to this and you are a CRPP member and you have something on your chest that you want to you want to suggest, then you know there is a platform there for you to do it. And um, you know, I would definitely recommend that involvement as much as possible. Now there'll be loads of people listening to this podcast. I've mentioned it a couple of times, wondering what they can do, Jason, to you know get into the CIPP to get to the top of the profession and whether you're going to become chief exec or chair or, or just have a senior role with it, whether it's with the CIPP or whether it's with one of the major payroll providers. Obviously, you're fortunate enough to have held senior positions within within both sides. You've also 
launched your own payroll business. And that's something that many of our listeners say, you know, how do I take that step? How do I get that? And what do I need in my, you know, in my armory to be able to be in a position to launch my own payroll business? So as someone who's kind of achieved all of the three pinnacles of the profession, for many people out there listening to this, it would be churlish of me not to ask, you know, what advice you would give to someone who is listening to this right now, has similar ambitions, you know, wants to perhaps either have their own business or wants to get involved more in, you know, in, in, in the CIPP or, you know, wants to get to the top of their profession within the business they're working for. What advice would you give? Well, that's a great series of questions, Nick. And I think, yeah, there's um... a few in there. There's a few in there. <laughs> so let me try and distill into, I think a lot of it is around, it comes down to character and, uh, and what you want to be as an individual. And I think first and foremost, it's about putting yourself outside your comfort zone. You know, put yourself forward and don't look back. Um, I also, one of my uh, analogies is that every day is a school day. Uh, and to put that into more context, it's really about welcome criticism to help your own learning. Um, you know, be open to every opportunity when working to deliver a piece of business. Lots of people don't take constructive criticism well. Um, but the way you're going to grow and learn is about looking for that and actively pursuing feedback. Even at you know, a meeting that you've delivered, a project that, that's been completed, seek that feedback genuinely and people will, will appraise some of the things you may be able to take on board, other things you might think, well, I'm going to look at that later, that's not for today. But um, I would absolutely push to say, put yourself forward. Uh, lots of people have said of myself that, oh, you were in the right place at the right time. But of each stage in my career, there was plenty of other people alongside me. The difference was I was the one that was willing to take the step. That's a that's a yeah, that's a great way of putting it. To be fair, that's um, you know, if you, if you see a step or an opportunity in front of you, as you say, try and grab it and and, and don't look back. And podcast is a great example of that. You know, I, I approached you and said, "Do you want to do a podcast with me?" I don't think you hesitated for too long. But you know, it's something's your first ever podcast today, and it's something you know, a, a walk into the unknown for you again. So <laughs> you know, it's 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 a it's a relevant example right now, I think. But while we're on the subject, so you've also started doing consultancy business, which I think you launched in December seventeen. Uh, I think I mentioned in some introduction that that's focused on supporting clients, both public and private sectors, where you review payroll performance, look at strategy choices. You know, obviously, you're an expert in in-source and outsource models as well. The business is called Calendar Consulting. And now I know there's a story behind that name because you told me about it at the conference. So I'll let you just uh, explain where that name came from in a moment. But I wondered if you could also share the story um, about how you you know, came to the uh, the conclusion that this was the right time for you to sort of launch your, your own business in 2017 and, and a little bit more about the objectives for it going forward. Yes, certainly, certainly. No, thanks. Well, let's do the name first, and then I'll talk about the um, where, where that experience came in. The, the name, uh, my eldest daughter, Gabrielle, I used to take her to see cadets with her friends as families. We'd, uh, we'd rotate that, you know, the, the to and fro from, uh, uh, from the sea cadets. And one of the one of the girls uh, used to always get into the car and say hi July. Now, if you think of my name um, Jason D, um, July, August, September, October, November, and December, the first the first letters of each of those months actually spells out my name. So calendar calendar has a very nice fit in terms of uh, monthly, weekly, um, half yearly calendar cycles of payroll but it actually fits that my name is on every calendar out there. <laughs> so, so you got your name from one of your, your kiddies school friends. I think it's fantastic. I did, yeah, in the back I did, of my yeah. car. There you go. It's clever. <laughs> she, so what are the objectives? The 
<laughs> yeah, I think she should go for it. There's... <laughs> so tell me a little about them, what the business is doing now and what, what are your objectives going forward? Yeah, so, so you, you asked about the journey to how did you come to set up. It, it, it got to that position where I felt I'd, I'd naturally wanted to do something out on my own, um, start up on my own, see if I could uh, make a... Uh, make a tranche for myself in that way, recognizing that my experience had a lot to, lot to bring to the table in terms of experience. And, um, there was, a, there was a natural push, um, back in October 17, then October, November 17 that helped me to do that. Um, it's interesting that I actually look at the way the kids make their choices. We, we'd taken Charlotte out to dance in New York because she was part of a dance competition and, um, her troop got through, did really well in the competition. And then as we're flying back home, she turned around and said to me, right, dad, that's me done with dance. And I want to be captain of the hockey team. Um, so the kids make some, some really just very solid decisions and go, right, that's what I'm going to go with now. And I thought, you know what? It's about time I did something similar. And so in setting up what I'd experienced, especially with the outsourcing experience that I have was that too often clients abdicate when they outsource and they lose their intelligent client capability because they lose knowledge out of the business and outsourcers this isn't this isn't a total generalization but in a drive for profit sometimes they can miss key deliverables and so what i've been able to do thus far in the last two years of working with a variety of clients as you mentioned both public and private sector is is bridge that gap almost to make sure that the um you know the the client where it has been lost the intelligent client help them build that back in um because it isn't about abdication it's about delegation um and also with the outsource to help them to understand that the industry that they're serving better by almost being an interpreter um in in you know understanding the language that both businesses talk uh, and sit in the middle there and make sure that it, you know the relationships build and work through from that on the uh, on the best way possible Excellent. Well, of course, you understand the language of not just payroll, but also the language of the service providers potentially they're looking to outsource with having been, you know, at the helm of those as well. So, you know, sometimes you know, we, we advise a lot as payroll recruiters that, you know, if someone's going through, whether it's a system implementation or a, another kind of transition in new global payroll implementation or whatever, it's always good to have someone on your side of the fence. You know who has who is an expert like yourself working with those service providers to make sure that you know not not just that it's being delivered correctly, but the there's a, an accountability trail that's that's developed and a, and a framework that's developed that, that that everyone understands what they're trying to do. And I think, as you say, if you lose that payroll knowledge, you know, from the client side, it, it can be quite difficult to 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 keep control of that of that partnership and make sure that it works best for you. So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of demand for experts like yourself, you know, on the, on the contract side, and um, you know. As you say, you're still delivering a lot of these projects on an ongoing basis through your consultancy. And um, it's it's definitely, a, a, as more people go through transitions and system changes on a regular basis as, as technology advances, something that seems to be more and more in demand. So I would imagine the future is looking pretty bright for you at the moment, uh, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Well, so we're going to open the, uh, the payroll vault. Entering the vault. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now? I think I would tell them to take every opportunity you can to develop more and don't wait to be asked. Put yourself forward. If you know you can make a difference, put yourself forward. Excellent. With the benefit of hindsight, what would be the one career decision you would change? Uh, now, I've, uh, I've been very structured in my career choices today. So I've always had a plan for where I want to be and, and I've changed my career, as you've heard, to fit with that plan. However, 
when Charlotte was uh, born, she's 14 on the 29th of June. And if I could change anything, it would be that I was here in the UK when she was born because I was actually working out in Brussels. Ah, bless you. Yeah, I can understand why why, why that might be uh, something you'd want to change. But hey, you know, <laughs> so she, she since had a, uh, developed a friend that gave you a, a company name. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you had the power of foresight, it could change the entire payroll industry with one action or improvement. What would that action or improvement be? I would I would dispel the myth of pressing the magic payroll button. Uh, and that's an all that works, you know, raising the profile of the industry is all about recognizing the value of the profession. It's often unsung until something goes wrong and, and too easily is payroll referred to as, oh, that's just pushing the button. So yeah, I would look to dispel that myth. Yeah. The big magic red button. Now, interesting, it's going to give me an opportunity to give a little bit of a, a plug for something that's coming, actually, now you've mentioned that. So while I have listeners on board, if you're still with us at this point, there is going to be a new podcast coming out soon. It's probably going to be, I think, only six episodes long. It's uh, a bit of a, a fiction stroke, factual based on facts of the podcast. I don't want to give too much away, but it's called The Payroll Apocalypse. And I will mention that that uh, magic red button may make an appearance in the, in the first or second episode of that podcast. So look out for that. I'll be advertising it shortly. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, I will need everyone, including Jason's, I would imagine, uh, input into that podcast to see how it develops. So uh, stay tuned. Keep an eye out for uh, some advertising. It's going to be coming out on LinkedIn and other social media uh, about The Payroll Apocalypse podcast. It's going to be launching, I think, in uh, mid to late july uh, but that magic red button as you say that people think that payroll people will press to, to to run the payroll will uh, definitely be front and center of a particular episode so uh stay tuned for that anyway back to the vault uh jason who motivates you and why oh i have to answer that one with my children uh, watching their approach to learning watching their approach to new technology uh, my youngest patrick who's now 11 he doesn't even type he just speaks to siri and and tells siri send dad a text to say I'm going to be in in 10 minutes. Um, so he doesn't even type out the text himself. He just tells Siri what to do. And I, I think their approach and use of technology is just fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. My daughter's the same. She'll walk in and say, you know, Alexa, set an alarm for five minutes. Uh, which I just realized <laughs> I've got Alexa in here. It might just set it in the background. You'll hear it repeat itself. <laughs> if you didn't work in payroll, what would you be doing? Do you know what? I've really enjoyed working with people and, um, Having had the opportunity to support and develop so many people in the industry over the years, I uh, uh, I guess I unofficially spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring, and perhaps doing that on a more permanent footing would be very enriching. Right. Fantastic. Well, I think that pretty much brings us uh, to a close. It's been an exciting journey. I think uh, everyone listening would have found out a lot that they would not have been aware of prior to this podcast. I think your journey into, you know, senior management is a fascinating one, but also the fact, you know, the enlightenment that you've given us to, to taking opportunities and where that can lead you is a, is a fantastic one that hopefully people listening can really take away and, uh, and, 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 and use that advice to, to progress their own career. So thanks ever so much, Jason, for, for joining me today on the Payroll Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I know we're going to be uh, meeting up again shortly at a, at a client event soon at Henley, so I'll look forward to that. Thanks ever so much for joining me. I will put links, of course, to 
um, Jason's LinkedIn profile in the episode notes. So if you do want to find out more about his consultancy services or just find out more about Jason himself, you can access that link. I'll also put a link to the CIPP in episode notes as well. But if you do want to find out more about membership for yourself, then it's cipp.org.uk. Fantastic membership uh, opportunities for you and it give you a host of benefits if you were to join. So do take a look at that if you're listening to this and are not familiar with the CIPP. Uh, That brings us to a close. So Jason, thanks ever so much for joining me today. Thank you, Nick. Really appreciate this opportunity. My pleasure. And um, I will look forward to speaking to everyone again in in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist payroll recruiters. If you would like to feature on a future podcast, please contact us. For a wealth of world-class payroll content, please visit us at jgarecruitment.com. See you next week.